and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I am your host this week, the glad-handing yes-man that's hosting when Stephen's on holiday, the king of kayfabe, the modern-day Maharajah, David Hockney. And this week, we're discussing SmackDown. In the week in which SmackDown is currently on episode 998, in a couple of weeks, it'll be turning 1,000 episodes uh, old. So today, we're going to look back at some of the very best moments from WWE SmackDown. So, with my panel, let's paint the town blue and introduce them. Up first, we have a man who worships The Rock as much as Scott likes big red monsters. It's the Scottish big dog, Alan McLucas. Hi, right, mate. How's it going? Yeah, good to have you on board. How are you, how are you feeling about SmackDown? Yeah, well, I've not seen this week's. I know not seen last week, but I love SmackDown. The best show, didn't it? You looking forward to the, th- the thousandth one? Yes, can't wait. Excellent. Okay. And to my left, uh, he is a proper jabroni. The Bart gun of the McLeod household, it's Scott. Scott, how are you? Well, you glad-handing yes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say, I, this is the anniversary this week of Kane's debut. Why we are not doing a Kane show, I do not know. <laughs> well, he's red and we're doing blue this week, so that's how it's going. Oh, shit. <laughs> because you can't be the only one on the podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, up next is a man who has screwed me out of the ESSR Championship twice now, so hopefully today he'll know his role and shut his mouth. But... With that being said, he is an award-winning panellist now. It's Gary Kernahan. Well, thank you very much, guys. And I understand you've received a reward this week it's, oh. as well. Yes, through, for the day job, um, um, the great honour of being named or, or the recipient of the Fundraising Excellence Award from the Institute of Fundraising. I mean, that's all well and good, but who won the Barkon Award? <laughs> yes, we all did. <laughs> well, it's good to have an award-winning panellist on the show for once. So Thank you. Thanks, thanks for being here, Gary. And finally, we have a man who worships The Rock as much as Stephen worships Becky Lynch. Today, he thinks he can out-host me. I say, just bring it. It's the jobby jobber, Ross McLeod. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's been a while, I'm David Hockney, just as sure as Ross sat on this show mentioning your ever-growing five-head, just as sure as Ross sat in this show yelling historic so much that a man that sweats gravy and pisses chicken fat stole from him, and just as sure, just as sure as Alan sits there looking like Peter Griffin's lesbian sister, I can say, <laughs> finally, the Ross has got bucket. I get the laughing. Boys number one, go see the jobby job on my corner. Oh... I think after they joked, there was just like a fucking thing together. Right, line drawn. He, he told me he speared at the break. He, he told me about his jokes, and I could see he had them written down. He's thinking, like, oh god, he's actually doing this. Uh, and finally, we have someone who prefers the colours of green and white to shades of blue. It's the MVEP. It's Quacko. Uh, thanks very much for that, David. I appreciate your noble welcome. <laughs> Ross, you can fuck right off. We're going to explicit the name. Ross, you're a cunt. <laughs> Keep them coming, cunt. Wanky, oh. wanky, 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 bastard. Yeah. Okay, so. Lucy was here, she'd lead a chant of We All Hate You. <laughs> all right, all I'm saying is, I've sat next to Quacky when he starts to sweat, and it smells a hell of a lot like I'm basic. Okay, James. <laughs> what well, the we fuck? Get- Okay, let's take a moment to let the censor uh, recover for a moment uh, and let our listeners know that uh, if you're just listening in, make sure you're subscribed to all good podcasting sites, including iTunes, Spotify, and all good anchor podcasting sites where we have a massive back catalogue as big as... 
I don't know, how can we describe our massive back catalogue? How... Fucking huge! <laughs> Thank you, Scott. That's, uh, that's a perfect way of putting it. So uh, be sure to follow us on social media as well. We're on Facebook at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there at Suplex Retweet. If you like what you hear, give us a rating, give us a review, preferably four or five stars. Or if you're feeling generous and you live in Japan, give us seven stars. Great stuff. Okay, so today, uh, Smackdown is turning 1,000 episodes old in a couple of weeks. So I'd like uh, to discuss all the best moments from the past almost 20 years of Smackdown because there's a lot to get through. So just to kick things off, um, Smackdown originally started out as a pilot episode, just a one-off in April of 29th, 1999. It was testing the water like any other new TV show in my opinion. So I just want to get your initial impressions of what the first Smackdown was like. Uh, Alan? I don't remember much of it to be honest, but I'd imagine it was Pretty good. There you go. I don't remember much of it. I don't remember really till the twi- August 26th one. Yeah. It was not taped after like a raw or before a raw. Yeah. The pilot. And also to be fair, we got this one wrong in the pub quiz, did we not? Like we almost got it wrong. Oh yeah, we almost got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. At the last minute. March, we changed it the last minute. Yeah. Yeah. I think it wasn't, Mark- wasn't nearly as big a fuck up as 35 seconds. Oh for God's sake, let it go. Stevie can moan about speculation every fucking week on this show. I can mention 35 seconds once. Wow, okay. Scott's sex life is coming into the podcast again. <laughs> How do you know? He uh, listens uh, to the ball in the glass. Yeah. <laughs> he watches while Heidi get a cupboard. Okay, move on. Move But yeah, uh, that, the April 99 episode was just a one-off episode, uh, obviously because this was the peak of the Monday Night Wars, uh, so maybe they were testing out new material, but they, it kicked off as a series uh, on August 26th in the same year. And the name sort of derived from The Rock's catchphrase, uh, obviously layeth the Smackdown on you. Um, Gary, would you say that with the name Smackdown, do you think this sort of came about itself as The Rock's show? Well, yes. Um, it's an interesting, it was an interesting title for the name. It's not one that I would have naturally went for at the time. Mm-hmm. It seemed a bit random. Obviously, it's, you know, we've become accustomed to it over the, amount of the long time it's gone, but yeah. Well, it was a bit random at the time. <laughs> yeah, I, like Gary says, it's it sounds like one of those names that if it wasn't a staple of a wrestling show, it would be like when you're watching a show and they're taking the mic out of wrestling, like, welcome to the Smackdown. You know, it sounds like one of these stupid stereotypical names. But really, they only really started it because WCW was starting to test the water with Thunder. Thunder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, obviously, like you said, peak of the Monday Night Walls, if they're going to have a Thursday show, well, you know what, we're going to have a Thursday show. See, I quite like it. I like the name and I think it's a great name. I like it now. I've always liked it. I thought it was a better name than Raw. Even when Raw is Raw is Raw. Um, but it kind of says what it isn't thin. You know? <laughs> There's going to be some Smackdown lead. Oh, a weird fact about this. Like, I think it's just... <laughs> that was not an innuendo in any form. Keep it clean, yeah. boys. Smackdown's going to be laid as not an innuendo. <laughs> it's going in Raw. Did the Raw play the Smackdown <laughs> Oh, no, I think that set the tone for the entire show. it! <laughs> uh, Scott, you, sorry, you were saying? Uh, I was going to say, I think as soon as we're coming off the heels of our less, less historic than the first one all-women show, apparently Vince Russo pitched the idea of this being a, a female-exclusive show. Can you just imagine an all-women show written by Vince Russo? Oh, a man who clearly has never hit puberty if you watch his writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... Obviously, like when it freshly it started off, uh, the stage setup was actually pretty straightforward because it had that sort of oval stage look. Uh, sorry, yeah, Ross, sorry, yeah, Jack. Sorry, yeah, it was just you were talking about is it the rock show? Yeah, I think see around about this time, August twenty sixth. 
Um, this is two months before, or three months sorry, before Stone Cold goes up his injury. This is peak rock. This is as soon as Stone Cold goes, they've got the rock in place to mm-hmm. hit. And like you say, was this the rock show? He might not have had as many iconic moments on it, but this was a sort of show where, much like Raw, it was on his back. Came off his catchphrase and it was going to be like, right, in a couple of months it's going to be just you. And I think you watch the first year or two of SmackDown, it carries it well. <laughs> Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that this, thinking back to it, it might just be my memory, but this, my memory of SmackDown is it felt very different to the other shows that WWE started to spin, you know, mm-hmm. spin off shows. Do you remember in more recent examples, maybe when Superstars came back on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they took it serious for a wee while and then got fed up with it. Whereas SmackDown, it felt like it was something took serious from straight straight off. And they took in, in big things, things that happened, mm-hmm. things that mattered happened on the show. And I can't remember right when we first started to get it here in the UK, because I, I have a memory it took a wee while before we got it, so you would hear and read about things, mm-hmm. uh, but you couldn't see it. <laughs> yeah, we used to get the WWF magazine, and yeah. I used to read all about it. WWF.com. <laughs> yeah. Same way, Sunday Night obviously that was before mm-hmm. this, and then <clears throat> you talked about it's the only show they've taken seriously for a long time or kept about. Like, you look at WWE main event, that's just a, that's the B talent of Raw now, but whereas you know, we talked about the pilot, or oh, we're going to have The Rock v Triple H for the WWE title with Shawn Michaels as a special guest. Alright, I think we'll all tune in for that. Main event was CM Punk versus uh, Sheamus when they were both world champions. Ah, that and was a champion, champion v champion match, Champion yeah. v champion match, you're like, oh, we'll start to take this seriously, then two weeks later, Kofi wins the title in main event, you're like, oh, is this going to be like an Arsenal match? Is this going to be like a third brand? And then, like Gary says, like superstars like Heat it just filtered away. Well, coming up then, you mentioned Thunder earlier, like a big thing with Thunder was they had a lot of top guys who would always appear on Nitro and WCW but didn't always feel obligated to come on uh, Night, uh, Thunder because the contract says pay-per-views in Nitro but didn't say anything about Thunder whereas Smackdown always had The Rock, Triple H, Undertaker all the big stars would carry over their stories on uh, Smackdown whereas Thunder just felt like the lesser people who didn't really deserve much time on Nitro got the spot on Thunder. Mm-hmm. Something as well was uh, the size of the roster at the time. Mm-hmm. So you oh, could yeah. have on a, uh, Rob was two hours, Smackdown was two hours, the roster was stacked so it could be like, oh by the way, see tonight you're going to get Stone Cold, Triple H and The Rock, The Undertaker. See you tomorrow, you're going to get Stone Cold, The Undertaker and you get The Rock and Kane. And you're like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch all four hours of that. Uh, yeah, no, the, you, you brought up a, a really great point there. Um, you know, because the Following the acquisition of WCW talent in once the Monday Night Wars had ended, the WWE roster was stacked and it had to be split onto two shows. So there was no shortage of really solid talent on either show, to be honest. Um, but I want, what, what I'd like to know is, like, do you think um, having that additional weekly show helped the brand and the company as a whole following this huge insurge of talent after buying up WCW? Uh, Alan, I'll start with you yeah, on that one. Absolutely, gave the chance for... You know, guys who are probably not going to get the op- the chance and just Raw to actually get a goal. You know, like Booker T, he'd never been world champion on Raw. Um, you know, JBL, he went from a mid-card or tag team to a main event player. So yeah, it gave a lot of opportunity to a lot of guys and also the female wrestlers as well. Yeah, because like, like you had a big enough roster as Ross says it is, but bringing all these ECW and WCW guys, there's only so much airtime in every given show. So having SmackDown really, yeah, the platform also you had shows like Heat, they had plenty of places to elevate this new talent. Hmm. I yeah, think no, as well, with WCW and ECW going under, as much as back in the day, if you were a WWE guy, you know that, 
you know, Rock Nostrum and Raw and then Rock Nostrum and Smackdown, they've got different people every week. He would have ran out of people from the fight eventually and then mm-hmm. as good as Rock and Stone Cold are, they don't lose very often, so then a lot of your guys get buried under them, unintentionally, but they do. And I think with this, it made the shows feel different because you had a void because you didn't have the Southern style wrestling, you didn't have the, the hardcore indie wrestling anymore, so you needed to split them and go, right, you know what, you're here for the new, you're not, you know, Kurt Angle's not going to go near Triple H till 2005, you know what I mean? Or, you know, Rey Mysterio can never fight Randy Orton until we get you both on the same show. It kept people apart and it made the shows feel different. Yeah, just to sort of uh, reiterate the point of the brand extension as well, it's like talent became exclusive uh, to both shows. And that's something I want to address uh, a bit later on during um, when we talk about the Ruthless Aggression era. But um, to, just to go back to the sort of the origin story of SmackDown, it started out as a... Uh, the stage setup was kind of pretty straightforward. It had that oval stage look, but then after its second anniversary, it actually brought in the now iconic fist stage. Yeah. <laughs> One that looks like uh, the fourth Shield member just turned into a big silver Hulk. Imagine <laughs> but, you spinning the fisting. Daniel Bryan said. Scott, you had to go there. Why is that McLeod always brings down the tone? Daniel Bryan that said, I'm just quoting him. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'll put your sweet to give that to This was at a time, you know, obviously pay-per-views and SmackDown itself had really iconic stages, but do you think SmackDown had, with the giant fist, was the best looking stage for any of the shows or pay-per-views? Nope. Uh, no, uh, did you not like it? I couldn't agree with you, Lord. Well, you, did, you guys didn't I, like I it? I hated it. Why not? Why did you not like it? I, one of the reasons I, I actually quite like the oval one. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I grew to dislike the the, the fist stage because it was there for <laughs> it was there for ages, wasn't it? And as this show got, I suppose in my mind, as as the show got stale, that was the look and feel of it, and that's why when I see that, I just think of those. those I mean, you do. I, I prefer the oval stage, but I didn't mind the fist stage. It was, it was a lot more appealing to look at than the raw stage. Um, <laughs> Kaku, keep it clean for that. Kaku's for that. Ross, sorry, you were saying. Insisting on the trying to be professional here. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I didn't mind the stage, but it was just, it feels like it's one of those ones like, we all love the Attitude Era, you know, we all love the people of the Attitude Era, but not everything about the Attitude Era was good. I think it's the, the era that it comes from. Originally, you know, it was its second anniversary, so you had the the Alliance storyline, which, you know, you look back now, we're like, oh, we could have booked it better at the time as a kid. You might not have been the big hit of stars, but it was exciting. You know, you had the SmackDown 6, you had, you know, Brock Lesnar, you had Eddie Guerrero won the WWE title, you had, you know, people, like, the under, that was the Undertaker show. Mm. You know, we talked about the Rock show, this was the show the Undertaker appeared on, he always got a big feel. And this was at start Undertaker's like classic match series, and you know I think it's the fact it was the stage when big things happened, and added to the fact that the raw ones during the Ruthless Grand Street made I looked shit. Yeah. It looked like when you set a Chester Drake <coughs> and you walk away from it and it just kind of slants. Kind of <laughs> what the raw one looked like, and it's like somebody designed a steez and hit you, and you're like, wow, <laughs> oh god damn it! Am I the only one who liked the fist? Oh my god! I did like it, but I preferred the oval look. Yeah, I, 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 I think the only reason I liked it is because it was around for so long. So when I think of the SmackDown, that's what I think of. 
And part of me actually wanted the fist to come back for like when SmackDown they redid the brand split, but they have the fist like in the intro package. Why they basically Barry, stop what's a fisting? Why <laughs> don't like today? They're all making about a different stage for the one thousandth episode. So oh, you never know, it could be the first oh, part. No, please. I mean, but was, I'd hope it was hideous. They, they put so many chrome mirrors, so many discs, it was, it was, it was so horrific. <laughs> and then they thought, oh, let's, it's not got enough chrome. Let's get a big hand coming out of the bit <laughs> between the stage. Well, and let's chrome that one as but, well. Then let's chrome the ramp as well. Then let's, no. I mean, back then, chrome was the thing. It was chrome. Well, this was going to smack it, because it's a smackdown. <laughs> well, I, point I, actually, guys, I, have to, I, I actually have to agree with Scott on this. I, because watching the first of course you would. The first Smackdown I watched was JBL versus Eddie Guerrero in the Steel Cage. That was the main event. And every time I watched Smackdown, I would always associate the, the Smackdown stage as the as the fist coming through the, the wall. And it just felt like that was really its its branding. And it really just stuck in the mind. And when it saw it disappear, I thought, oh, now it just looks really plain. But yeah, so sorry guys, I have to go against the majority here. It's not a surprise, David, when you introduced it as the iconic stage. Look how much we're in debate the, about it now. I think it was certainly the, the, it's the iconically, iconically shit stage. More well, like. well, what happened when you, happen when, you took that, when you took that stage away? It just looked like every, any other stage. It looked like any other show. Well, yeah, it was just. It, just sometimes it took away its uniqueness, I think. That's yeah. why they took it away. This was around at the time when you started cross cutting and they started. Every stage was the same, and yeah. every stage was the same, and everything just looks. Yeah, we'll probably discuss that a bit later on. But uh, but for now, I'd like to move on to a, a period where I think SmackDown really sort of came into its own, and that was the, the Ruthless Aggression area. So. This was just after the brand extension where each uh, show was given its own exclusive roster and they were both assigned uh, general managers. Uh, the first general man- of- official general manager of SmackDown was none other than Stephanie McMahon. Oh, we all love her. Yep. Well, we did then. Nice, <laughs> uh, But other general managers also include uh, Paul Heyman, Vicky Guerrero, uh, but also one of the longest serving uh, general managers in SmackDown history, Mr. Kenny Long. So, uh, Scott, I'd like to start with you on this one. Who do you think, out of all of SmackDown's general managers, did the best job? Well, clearly Terry Long, since he lasted the longest. Who's your favourite? Oh, Terry Long, I just mentioned him. Also, Alan, you're looking in your nose at it. If you do, you'll be going one-on-one. Hold on, player. Let's have a tag team match. (laughs) (laughs) That is all he ever came out with. You're like, have you got nothing better to do? I'm now looking at at those gigantically huge but ugly Susan go, hold on, player. (laughs) Why don't you turn on the ads and let's play? And you're like, no. Fuck me, one on one! Alan, do you like Tammy Long, mate? <laughs> Fabulous! <laughs> I think the thing with Tammy Long was, much like we discussed the stage, Tammy Long was there a while, so obviously he got a bit repetitive as the ring got a bit repetitive. Hashtag steel! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, so obviously he, he always had to come out with, it was always stages, he always had his wee guy, he'll go one on one with the Undertaker. And you go one on one with Randy Orton, and you go one on one with Sheamus, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just whoever the top guy was, it'd be like they always seem surprised. Like, I'm sorry, you seem surprised that on a wrestling show you'll be in a wrestling match. Hold on, player. There's six of you in the ring. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. I, I love the memes. It's always like yeah. It's always like Terry Long's face, like one, two, three, four. Hold on a minute, player. <laughs> I think there was a, a parody of Stone Cold's shirt. It's like 
uh, Stockholm on his shirt and said arrive race hell leave I think he had one that was like arrive tag team match player leave <laughs> uh, Gary what do you remember of Teddy Long's minute, uh, run as GM well I remember when he first became GM because he'd been the mani- a manager mm-hmm. and he just seemed so random and the referee and, the referee and, the referee yeah. that. and he hadn't been a manager on Smackdown all that long he was with Rodney Mack remember right and Mark Henry as Mark well yeah Henry. And then he turned up. He was drafted to SmackDown, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, sort of one week, he was like, and Vince brings him out as the, as yeah, as the, as the GM. It just felt a bit, bit I was like, well, really? <laughs> yeah. See me talk about SmackDown being stale. It was with him. It was nothing but tag team actually. As you all know, I'm not a fan of tag team wrestling. I find it really. This is boring. brand new information, Alan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As if you didn't make your initial point clear enough. Yeah. And it's all it was. And back then, that's when SmackDown was literally a fast forward job. You, you could go through the whole show and it'd be one single match. So it was awful back when he was doing it. So I'm quite glad to see the back him. Straight up terrorisation by the man. <laughs> <laughs> now, Quacker, you actually said your favourite WrestleMania was WrestleMania 21. Funnily enough, there was no tag team matches on there. No. Yeah. But um, just same question as the rest of the guys. Like, what did you think of Teddy Long? Teddy Long is my favourite GM of all time. And I will say that. Like, there were two managers that I really liked to smack them, Vicky Guerrero. Well, when I say Vicky Guerrero, I don't like her at the time, but when she left, I was like, oh God, I actually yeah. miss Vicky, which is <laughs> weird. But Teddy Long, I loved him when he was there, and I still love him there. And people still, you see, you're all quoting him and stuff like that. <laughs> and even uh, Paige is saying, uh, holler holler, when she first announced the tag catch me, there's no disputing that, but that was it. I thought it was just funny, like the way he comes out, like and then dancing, and then when he came out, uh, one of the special roles, and JBL came up dancing to him and stuff. He's a pure man's godfather. No, oh, come out like that. Stop, stop. And also, see, just one thing that I found bizarre, quite funny, was in his office, you always had a frame photo of Vince McMahon, like he was the US president or something. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's it. He was a great character. Yeah, he? he was so charismatic. So, like you know, Alan, you mentioned the dancing as well. That was. My favourite thing about it. We took it too serious about it. You just got a roll of it. As Gary was saying, it is quite a random, you know, random announcement that he was put as GM because he was. It, it was not even as if, as, if, as if this was Mark Henry, the world champion he was managing. It was Mark Henry, the guy who wasn't in Matt Hardy at Armageddon. You know, that was, it was that Mark Henry. He was managing Rodney Mack, who never got off the ground. Jazz, when women's wrestling wasn't taken seriously. It was a case. It was. WWE's paint by numbers sort of thing like mm-hmm. you're black we'll give you a black man and that was the sort of attitude that well that was his, his cap, yeah, but that, no, that, that was the angle he was in at the yeah, time yeah. back uh, the match um, D'Lo Brown aye D'Lo Brown yeah. and all that and it was always like yeah, you've all we've been held down by the man because Mark Henry got a low number in the Royal Rumble <laughs> and I remember <laughs> he got drafted to Smackdown in 2004 and I remember this was in May he has one segment like three weeks later where there's like a bunch of guys, a bunch of mid-carders that nobody would want to manage sitting next to Spike Dudley and he gives them all cards except Spike Dudley and then starts squaring up to Spike Dudley because Spike says you're not taking me seriously and then I went on holiday in August and came back and this guy's floating about going I'm the GM now like, what? <laughs> what did I miss? Did I miss Kurt Angle getting fired? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you missed Kurt Angle getting fired and then I think Paul Heyman also quit as well but that was when Kurt Angle came in mm-hmm. yeah. and Teddy Long... Uh, sort of came in what was it just before SummerSlam that year yeah. just before SummerSlam and he he was there then Vicky took over then he went to ECW then he came back 
then he managed Raw for a bit, then he came back. Yeah, and then he just retired. Yeah, it was just, I feel bad, see when you talk about, obviously, I, I did like him, he kind of, at the end, mm-hmm. went a bit too long, because yeah. he just didn't do anything, that we, we sort of get reduced to the catchphrase and the gimmick yeah. in the tag team match. I think one of the, the more exclusive points about uh, Smackdown was that, obviously, because both Raw and Smackdown were different shows, uh, Compared to what they were nowadays, uh, they were actually they had completely different sort of setups because they had different divisions. Uh, because back in the ruthless aggression era, SmackDown had the the cruiserweight division, uh, whilst Raw has has had the women's division. Do you think it was uh, a good idea to have two different divisions on both shows, or do you think they both shows should have been similar? Uh, no, I think both should have had different people because you look at the women's division doesn't get in it. The women's division is stacked, but it's not stacked to go over two shows. And we're all being three hours, and we're talking about more, you know, equality and more people getting on the shows. Surely, with that third hour, if you put all the women on Raw, you could have an hour a week dedicated to just women's wrestling, and then two or five live as a main after SmackDown. Caesar on the talent, nice traveling. By the way, you know, you can say that like, you draft Finn Balor, and say when he comes up, Johnny Gargano to SmackDown. And along with Daniel Bryan, if they're not doing anything in the main show, they can go down to 205 Live. That's not a bad idea. Um, Alan, do you think having the Cruiserweights exclusively on SmackDown was a good idea? No. I felt both shows should have had a bit of each. Um, mm-hmm. It did kind of suffer. You could have had you know, the champion versus champion matches, special pay-per-views, maybe WrestleMania or SummerSlam. could build other rivalries up in between shows, especially coming up to Survivor Series. I felt they missed a trick with it. It was a good idea to have, like, Belts exclusive to certain shows because, like as we've seen, like there's gonna be if the champions go between both brands, there's gonna be a month for one brand as a pay per view without a champion. And we've seen when Brock Lesnar went away, if you don't have a proper story to fill the void in that time, the product suffers. I think the women's tail out of all them should have went between because we've seen with SmackDown, the women on that show without anything to fight for, the product really suffered because you had Don Marie and Tori Wilson for ever. I know Tony's dad. Yeah, <laughs> dear old Al. I I liked the. I mean, there's positives and negatives of it. I liked the the separation. If I remember right, initially the women's champion could go between both yeah. shows, and then it became exclusive to Raw. Yeah. I think the the negative, I say, um, the positive. Sorry, sticking that one. Um, the different divisions gave the shows a different feel to it. The negative is often you'd only get one women's match then or one cruiserweight match. There wasn't a lot for the rest of them to get up to or the rest of them to do, but that's a reflection of how the show was booked at the time. I think as well, we, they're only being, like, obviously we only had the cruiserweight exclusive, uh, the cruiserweight title, sorry, exclusive to SmackDown. If you were a smaller guy going to Raw, you were getting jobbed out to like Batista and Triple H and Kane mm-hmm. and like Elimination Chamber qualifying matches. Mm-hmm. If you were a woman going to SmackDown, then guess what? You're going to either be managing a top talent or you're going to be having some all women hate each other, all women, you know, secretly bitches storyline that was the norm at the time. Yeah, no, you, you raise a really good point there, Ross. Um, you know, because I think having them, like with the Cruiserweight division especially, because nowadays it's treated as its own brand, mm-hmm. I think maybe having that exclusive one hour for them would be a great, a good idea but obviously Smackdown was two hours and there had so much to fill the fill the void uh, same with the women's uh, division you know that maybe could have been done the same way but it's like you know they're saying if women were getting drafted to Smackdown there was nothing for them to fight for mm-hmm. except maybe become managers but mm-hmm. or god forbid you know do bikini contests or evening gowns and stuff and I think that's kind of what they were used for on Smackdown mm-hmm. back at the time it was always the wrestling show and oh look women 
Mm. That was the sort of attitude they had. But I think the thing that helped Matt do like being the wrestling show and help it stand out from Oz because Paul Heyman was the head writer at the time. Mm-hmm. He tells uh, in an interview with Jericho, he said the reason he was going to give him free reign over Smack because ratings on Raw were going down. And it was kind of hands off, all hands on deck on Raw. They said Payne will have Smack and take that off our hands, and they didn't care about it. That gave him the opportunity to push people that wouldn't usually get pushed and allowed him to focus on the cruiserweights. He said his big problem was he would fight just as hard for a cruiser like Jamie Noble as he would for a guy like Brock Lesnar. That really made him unpopular because he wouldn't stop arguing with people. Uh, yeah, so, um, but I think, Ross, you sort of brought this up uh, briefly as well. Um, because you had exclusive titles to exclusive brands, and you know, maybe it um, introduced the idea of cross-promotion. Uh, but one thing I'd like to really touch on is... Uh, they, they did uh, include some brand warfare cross-promotional matches uh, for the duo pay-per-views. Do you think this brand warfare should have been taken more seriously in terms of storylines and build-up? Uh, Gary, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I much preferred it when they were kept separate, and then when they came together, it should have been a big deal. And when that's done well, like when Raw was under siege not too long ago, mm-hmm. that was excellent. Uh, when Eric Bischoff and Three Minute Warning uh, ruined Billy and Chuck's wedding, uh-huh. and that was brilliant. And yet another moment where Billy Gunn was screwed over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you'd be upset by that, Ross. Yeah. yeah. I'm an equal rights sort of person. That was a horrible day. <laughs> Uh, Alan, do you, what did you think of the brand warfare? Yeah, they could have done a lot better with it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big pool. You know, because if you're watching it all year long and then you think, well, hang on, they're going to get you know champion or world champion back together. It's a big thing, and then it's going to create conversations, it's going to create divides and friends. Like, no, I want no, why is not anyone in the other? No, I want Katie one or whatever. You know, it, it brings a lot more heat and it brings a lot more anticipation. And to be honest, they really played it down. And this guy said, yeah, this under siege was done really well. But I feel right now they've got a chance to bring this back in, and they should do mm-hmm. it now as well. But yeah, I like the undersea stuff on the current uh, brand slot, but I think the initial brand slot, it was always seen like SmackDown would usually win these brand promotion things as kind of a consolation. Like, you're never going to be the flagship, it's always going to be Raw. But here, I have this little thing, you won this match to make it seem like you're the bigger show. But the fact that they're both essentially two shows on the same company, it doesn't feel like real competition, because Mind Prescriptor tells the story of how initial brand slot was meant to be. Monday Night Raw and Nitro when they bought WCW mm-hmm. and when that fell through and the invasion happened they seemed to have to create competition within themselves so if it was WCW doing brand warfare because they were only they were going to keep them separate all year except for like maybe WrestleMania and like if that was because everybody knew the Monday Night War so people would believe in the competition there the fact that it's everybody in the same company everybody who you know probably gets along in real life yeah. it's really hard to buy into it's a really good point Scott because also when they have the like Survivor Series mm-hmm. I think the format for Survivor Series is a bit predictable because you know that if there's five matches mm-hmm. and it's 2-1 yeah. mm-hmm. then the next match is going to make it 2-2 two, two, yeah. to make the fifth match the decider and do you know who I think always used to get shafted with that? the women because it mm-hmm. would be say like the, the Raw Intercontinental Champion be the Smackdown US Champion and the Raw Intercontinental Champion wins and it was just yeah you like at the time we were in wrestling and the state it was in and the way they were presenting it people weren't watching and the fact that you've just had you know Raw's guy win you're like I call the Smackdown one like I won who cares let's go yeah, it's just really quickly before we go into a short break um, and I think you guys sort of brought up a really good point um, do you think it was um, Smackdown was unfairly dubbed as the B show despite all these other sort of mini brands for yep. enhancement talent mm-hmm. so I'm quacking straight, in, straight away with that yep 
Still is. You think it still is? Mm-hmm. Well, the WWE titles might be the most prestigious title in all of wrestling, and it's a mid-card title. Yeah. That, that's enough. It does feel like it, yeah. Um, Gary, what do you think? Uh, no, I don't think it was wrong with the WWE show. It was the better wrestling show, or has been the better wrestling show, undoubtedly, at points, and at other points, it's, un- it's undoubtedly clear that they couldn't have cared less about it. Also, if you look back over time, it's some of like when you had the big debuts happening, when Goldberg came along, when Scott Steiner came along, they went to Raw, not SmackDown more often. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry, just a wee thing. Way to go back. We were talking about the brand warfare. Yeah. We didn't use that. Same in the later years of the brand when we had like ECW as well. It was sort of just like. Who's feuding on Raw and SmackDown and ECW, but we need to keep our matches for oh, the brand I hated the Raw, sorry, the SmackDown ECW super shows. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Oh. But, uh, see, that's something I want to bring up on uh, afterwards, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were, sorry, you were saying? No, no, it's... Uh, it just got to the point where, right, we've got brand exclusive pay-per-views in December and we need to make them interesting so we can't have all these guys fighting singles matches. Okay, let's have... Uh, <laughs> Right, you two are feuding in SmackDown with A2, and that one there for ECW is feuding with him, and you for all, you captain them, and you for all, you captain the other team, and you're talking about the B show as well. No one ever thought of it as a B show, you know, because mm-hmm. back in the day, there wasn't a brand, the, you know, the, uh, the brand split. It was, you still had the Rock, Stone Cold, and Kane, and Undertaker all showing up there. When you'd done the original brand split, before circumstances got in the way, it was maybe Triple H and Stone Cold as the head honchos on Raw and Hulk Hogan and The Rock on SmackDown. I don't think you would ever have called that a B-show. You couldn't call any of them a B-show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think like I said, like, in a lot of people's eyes, Raw is clearly more the favourite in the eyes of like, the company it was around first. It's always going to be the flagship. So unfairly, imagine it's still the B-show. And I think, I think the moment where that started being, being called the B-show, and I'm not, that seems like I'm blaming this guy for it, but I'm, I'm not. I think it's when Batista got drafted in 2005 because like even though they were technically the B-Show they were still the wrestler and they had the WWE title, the title with all the history but since that got moved over to the flagship and the secondary belt from the other company got done in this show it's like you're the B-Champion on the B-Show whereas this is our most precious title that's getting the focus See to answer that what do you say more John Cena though? Because obviously John Cena went over mm-hmm. yeah. and then John Cena became Big Match John Yeah, I think it was a clearly like the choice between the two, we, we gave them both their monitors to me, but who do we push? And I think it's just having to be John was the one getting the bigger push than Batista. Yeah. In fact, he got... He got it wrong, Sean. He can't beat that. No. <laughs> well, what Quacko said was going to play into my thing. Alan mentioned that the WWE titles might be the most prestigious one. Mm-hmm. Scott mentioned it's the one with all the history. It's never... I don't think it's the fact that it's the WWE title. I think it's the fact that it's whatever the SmackDown title was became the... Because you saw... You know, Batista winning the title for Triple H, you saw, you know, Chris Benoit winning it at the main event of WrestleMania, you saw, you know, multiple times it was in the main event of WrestleMania, and then you get to, like, near the end of the brand split, and it's like, oh, by the way, we've got The Undertaker, CM Punk, Rey Mysterio and Batista in a fatal four-way, you're like, oh, good, that'll be big. Now that it's SmackDown, so it's gone on the card. That was bragging rights that year, wasn't yeah. it? But that was, uh, that was kind of overshadowed by John Cena and Randy Orton in the 60-minute Iron Man match. Yeah, it was the sort of... Like I've seen at the point, and also playing on Quackers. Cena was the star, so whatever brand he was on, and what title was on that brand, mm-hmm. that was the main event. Yeah, there were the feud that sort of. Do you think it was the sort of the feud that made the fight which was going to be on second, or do you think SmackDown was always relegated to be? Yeah, the the always be. You think just because you know Raw's been around longer? Well, you just look at the. Although it didn't turn out the way we wanted, neither world title match this year's WrestleMania did. Um, 
you saw Shinsuke and AJ being the dream match I really wanted and Brock and Roman being the match we were just like, look, see if we're going to have it, can we put it on first? Can we Brock lose and get him to fuck? <laughs> and that, that was the attitude, but it was still because it's the Raw title because Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are the big stars. They were on Raw, the title they've got is Universal, so that was on last. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, a lot of great points brought up there and... Uh, I think at that, at that stage we'll just go into a, a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be discussing uh, our best moments from SmackDown Live, and or just in taped or whatever. And we've also got some <laughs> fan input as well from Twitter and Facebook. Uh, thanks to everybody who put in um, put in suggestions. Uh, but as we go into this quick break, I want to highlight one of the uh, arguably the best promos, not necessarily from SmackDown, but from its uh, its sister show, Talking Smack, where. The Miz and Daniel Bryan had one of the most heated conversations ever to feature on WWE TV. So we'll be back straight after this. Hi, this is James Ellsworth. Duh. And you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. There's no gentle way to say it to me. You wrestle like a coward. You wrestle like somebody who's, I, af- who's afraid to get hit. Like, I, 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 re- I, rest, I wrestle like, like a coward. You I- wrestle like a coward. I'm the one. If I if I were to create a wrestler who to me like embodies like when I was an independent guy and I was thinking like oh okay what's the soft WWE style it would be that WWE is transformed in the you, last. Hold on, you you had you had your chance to talk. You you're the one that called me a coward in, in the wrestling ring. I'm the coward in the wrestling ring. Yeah. But let's talk about cowards for one second. Okay. The reason I wrestle the way I wrestle is because I can do it day in and day out all the time for ten plus years I have never never in my career ever have been injured I don't get injured for six months to a year I am here each and every week but you sit there and call me a coward I'm the coward wait let me tell you about a coward let me tell you about a guy who tells his WWE fans the people that he loves that he will be back he promises them I promise you I will be back in one year's time to claim this title but you didn't Daniel did you but I'm the coward I'm the one that doesn't love the fans if they would let me come back, I would come back. Oh, if, if, if you you would, yeah. you, you would. You you love that WWE ring. You love be wrestling. You love being right in that wrestling ring, and you love wrestling, right? Well, yeah. why don't you quit? Why don't you quit and go to the bingo halls with your indie okay, friends? Okay, I think you then, need to huh? calm. No, that's not no, what this. That's this. not what this show's me about. And the GM have this. Thank you very much, Renee. This is a great show, but we're talking here. I need to talk to you real quick because the fact is, you're the one that calls me the coward, but you're the one that doesn't get in the WWE ring again. No, don't you walk away from me, Daniel. Don't you walk away. I'm the one that loves the fans. I'm the one that loves everyone and everything. You're the one that gets up and walks away every single time. You're the coward. I am not a coward. I am your intercontinental champion, and there's a reason I am the title. Reason making this the most relevant, prestigious title that WWE has, and I deserve the respect on SmackDown Live. Get that camera right here. Get that camera right here. Understand that this is day 141 of the never-ending Intercontinental Championship World Tour, and I swear to you, I promise you, it will be the most relevant title on SmackDown Live. I could care less about those little kids on, on for the tag team titles and the Women's Championship and the WWE Championship. This is my show. My show. And I'm sick of all of you, my GM, sitting there criticizing me, calling me the coward. You're the cowards. I'm the one here, day in and day out, in that wrestling ring, beating people up. Thank you very much. Hey, this is professional wrestler Cole Cabana, and I'm only assuming that you have just finished listening to my podcast, The Art of Wrestling, and now you've made the decision 
to listen to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets, which is a mouthful to say, but not only have I said it, you've said it, you've suplexed, you've ate, you've slept, and now you've retweeted. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets. Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I am your host this week, David Hockney, and I am joined by Alan, Gary, Ross, Scott, and Kwaku. And we are discussing SmackDown, all its best moments, matches, and highlights from the past uh, 20 years or so as it approaches its 1,000th episode. So that was at the break there. You heard Miz and Daniel Bryan on their uh, intense promo on Talking Smack, which is sadly no longer a thing. Um, But moving into the second half, uh, we're going to kick things off with some fan input as to what uh, their favourite Smackdown moments were. So I'm going to go through a a few of them just now. Uh, Shubham Ja says... (laughs) (laughs) I told told you how to pronounce it. You come on, you do a completely different pronunciation. Shubham Ja. The big man. Right. Big J. Just go. We're leaving this in. <laughs> yes, we are. So, Shabam Ja says... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Move on to the next name. Barry! Barry says... <laughs> just, that, 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 that's the first name. John Smith says... What does John Smith say? Uh, they say so many amazing moments, uh, but they'll go with the latest one, Nakamura hitting everybody in the nuts. <laughs> and uh, Cultaholic have dubbed him as Shinsky Cockknocker as well. Sometimes it feels like I'm getting hit by the nuts. Sometimes I feel bad for the big man. He's, he's responded to our suggestions, yes. and yeah. we're sitting laughing at Dave's pronunciation's name. Shame yeah. on you, Dave. Uh, Chris Thompson says the Undertaker Edge rivalry was fun. Also, when Paul Heyman was in control, I think Scott, you <coughs> mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Palmer says Edge cashing in money in the bank on Undertaker. That was pretty solid moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, David O'Brien says CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy in the steel cage. It's criminally underrated. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fair to say. Yeah. Ben Williams says when Jeff Hardy first debuted his face paint to beat the Undertaker. I think that was an Extreme Rules match in the UK as well, wasn't yeah, it? Was that, was that the first time he did the face paint? <laughs> yeah, that's when he brought his face paint. Oh, I don't know that. Well, he brought a Hoover. Sounds like a good housekeeping match. Uh, yeah. good <laughs> I did he not notify Wolfie first. I imagine now the Braun Strowman bit where he throws the chair at Roman Reigns. Yeah. Imagine that with Hoover. That's how he'd be <laughs> moving like, fuck you, yeah, that's Hoover. Yeah. Dyson, you bastard. Dyson. Dyson. John McFarlane says uh, his would be Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit versus Edge and Rey Mysterio for the Smackdown tag titles good listener still, yeah. yep, still holds the classic No Mercy 2002 I believe that was yeah but it was in it, it was the Smackdown tag team tournament yeah. no but he's talking about the two or three falls one that was on Smackdown oh, we're, right. talking so, about, we're talking about the best Smackdown matches oh, Dave. of course it is yeah. <laughs> but yeah they also want the best of No Mercy <laughs> <laughs> I'd yeah. like to suggest the game No Mercy write that box down that's number yeah. two well, well still, uh, still doing pretty well uh, Nathan A. Leon says Eddie Guerrero versus Edge in the no disqualification match mm. his favourite match I think yeah that, that was rated uh, WWE's rated it as their best Smackdown match top 15 of all time mm-hmm. yep just a good solid match uh, Sean Smith says, can't think of a specific match or moment, but his first memories of wrestling were watching SmackDown on Sky 1 on a Saturday morning. Uh, the fifth mm-hmm. stage, the SmackDown yeah. 6, uh, Michael Cole and Taz, and too young to know it's a work. Sheer bliss. Uh, did you guys like, ever watch like Sky 1 for yeah. SmackDown? Yeah, yeah. 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 I think we're all used to hate as well, though. What's that? There, there was never, because like, I had the... <laughs> 
I lived in a high flat, so we had the console version. This guy, we had on digital. If you're old enough to remember what that is. Oh gosh, yeah. But uh, summers didn't even run. Summers had terrestrials. That was it. <laughs> like my mates at one point was Channel Four on a Sunday heat for an hour. That was it. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Sitting through yep. Val Venus with SA Rios to see the rock yep. fight the Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, I, th- I hated that there never used to be a schedule. Mm-hmm. So it used to be like some days you'd wake up and be, oh, the Simpsons is on, and then they'd put that on, and then be like. Nine rolls of shitty <laughs> CGI cartoons that ended after ten episodes. You're like, Aye. I'll put Smackdown on. <laughs> I'll accept that serious at this point. Uh, uh, also, uh, Stephen Berrington, aka the List of Stephen, says there's only one episode to mention, and that's the September 13th, 2001 episode of Smackdown from Houston. Uh, it was so emotional because it was two days after 9/11, and with Lillian Garcia singing the national anthem, it just brings tears to your eyes. So yeah, have you just done your one? Alan? I've got two, and that's one in them. <laughs> Well, that was one of your favourite moments. That was moments. one of mine. Yeah. Finally, we have uh, JP, who has the greatest Twitter handle name ever. It's at MMA and Celtic. My man. <laughs> My guy, yep. Um, <laughs> his favourite moment was Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle in the 60-minute Iron Man match. Uh, he's also said Lesnar suplexing the big show and breaking the ring. Uh, but he also liked the intro packages for Matt Hardy version 1.0. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's just version 1. <laughs> yeah, it was just version 1, yeah. You're a maths person. You, you, you've got a degree in maths. You should know. You don't mention the decimal point if it's a zero. Well, sometimes you say, like, uh, 2.0 or something. Okay, that's like, plenty. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, for your fan inputs. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with all our sort of... Uh, fan interaction stuff you can follow us on social media uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Suplex Retweet we're also on Facebook give us a, a like and subscribe to us um, you say keep up with our fan interaction like we're famous <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got one award winner here yeah. that is the one it's a start it's a start so if you're going to plug the social media plug the fact you can interact with us this Saturday from 7 o'clock onwards as David and Sarah will be live tweeting Super Showtime mm-hmm. yep well uh, more on that to follow uh, but now I'd like to get the, the panel's best moments from Smackdown so I'll start off with Alan because you're right. just right here uh, what's you've been your favourite Smackdown moment well I had two one's been mentioned uh, the first show after 9-11 it was the first public gathering mm-hmm. after it mm-hmm. and it kind of showed mm-hmm. the world well it's like the vacuum up to terrorism and then you go we're not going to stop and you talk about earlier Ross the rock and the guy the show he's been the WWF champion he had a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. by God he delivered during that time frame mm-hmm. but my other favourite moment and I've asked David specifically to go first because I got a feeling you're going to nick it <laughs> is Triple H versus the British Bulldog where The Rock slides uh. in goes one two it doesn't matter if The Rock counts to three <laughs> and then the levels without question the greatest people's elbow ever with you know a fail in it and it still came off perfectly with the slide uh, the Saturday night slide <laughs> then, then he stands up and holds a tight when you're just like why is he not champion? Just give him that. <laughs> that was it. I just wanted to get in there for Ross Nick because every time we do something like Excuse me, you and I always, <laughs> you and I always pick the same thing and you're always picked first. So oh, yeah, can, can I go next because I'm worried someone else is doing mine as well. Uh, sure, sure, Scott, go ahead. So what's your favourite moment? Mine's uh, didn't actually happen in the year, but it was on SmackDown and could be summed up in five words. Price check on a jackass. Stone Cold beat up Booker T in a shopping oh, mall. In the yes. supermarket, yes. that's yes. a classic, yeah. It feels like for a while it feels like it's gone a bit long, then they get you with something else like Stone Cold getting locked in the fridge and then coming out the milk car and we're like, thanks for the milk book. <laughs> <laughs> that was during like the peak of the invasion angle. Well, I think it was just it? after it finished because I think Booker cost Austin the title mm-hmm. in the undisputed title match uh, Vengeance and then he was constantly trying to get away from him and then Austin would show up at random places and he found him at the supermarket. 
Aye. My favourite moment's a more recent one. When AJ Styles put the end to Jinder Mahal's reign of Yes! Gary! My man! And it happened in Manchester. It did, yeah. So, and the first time the title's ever changed hands outside of North America, I think. Yeah, yeah, first time in the UK. So the reaction, I was actually going to go to that show because I was working in Manchester at the time. Um, I was down there, but then I was having to come back home, so I was, could have st- stuck around for a few hours. I decided not because I thought nothing's going to happen. Nothing, <laughs> nothing, well, nothing, nothing, you get an intuition, ignore it, and just stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nothing here's, ever here's, here's a life lesson: if you think nothing's going to happen, something is going to happen. <laughs> 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 yeah, because we've had the history of having rather bland episodes. I know there's the exceptions, the odd exception to the rule, mm-hmm. um, and this certainly was one of them. But yeah, yeah. great mm-hmm. moment, and I love the pop. And then Oh, yeah. And to think, you know, if that title didn't change hands, we would have had to see Brock Lesnar versus Jinder Mahal as Survivor Series that year. I mean, what a letdown that would have been. I would have loved that. Just to just annoy you, David. Brock thrown around it. Was it Heyman called him the Sing Along Brothers? Sing, 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 brothers. <laughs> uh, Ross. So I had my post 9 11 Smackdown stole by that bastard Bevington. That asshole Allen stole the people's elbow and that <laughs> gift Gary stole AJ Styles. So I was looking up classic Smackdown moments and I was going to go with either. It was a three way tie with Austin destroying the DX Express, you had Big Show in the Ring exploding, and you had. Um, what was the other one? Rhino going Jericho through the stage, but. I've decided just to lower the tone just because of uh, how ludicrous it was. Oh no. <laughs> Big boss man crashing <laughs> Big Show Dad. Big Show's dad's funeral. Oh. Big Show's dad, who'd lived for like another 18 years at that point. <laughs> Did you realise just uh, recently it was 10 year anniversary for the Keno and Hell match? Oh Jesus Christ. Mm. One, well. one horrendous fire you, you at a time. Well. You Sorry, you remember boss man, he read a, a condolence card for Big Show's out with deepest regrets and tears that are so Sorry to hear your dad finally croaked. <laughs> but it's just, it's. I've never seen the full uh, service and being young at the time. Didn't yeah, this boss man die not long after that spell? He died like three years after. Three years after? Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was that. I, I think he left sort of a while after though because he wasn't around for the majority of the attitude either like the 2000 section but I didn't realise how tasteless it was at the time all I remember is just the hype package of Armageddon 1999 mm-hmm. and Big Show <laughs> looking like Buddy the Elf in one of the elf's beds went after this coffin with his legs swinging back his head like boss man drags it along the road you're like this is cracking and my mum and dad looking horrified like I think your mother and I'll have to have a conversation if you can still watch us anymore fuck no it's good wholesome family co- uh, Good wholesome family TV next month at Royal Rumble, fucking May Young gets her knockers out. I lost it by you. That was a bad moment. I lost it by you, and you're yeah. watching this. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't love that one. Oh, it was such a dis- <laughs> and neither can we, and neither can we from our memories. Bossman Big Show was such a distasteful angle, but they made it look like um, slapstick humour. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, only WWE could have done it in that format as well. I mean, that was yeah. just horrible. Mine was just a different one because I thought someone would have put the DX Express, Rhino Goring or Big Show exploding the ring. No, I think, you know, you two actually mentioned a couple I'd written down, you know, I said uh, we had Austin Booker team the supermarket, Scott. Um, yeah, Austin Christ the DX Express. Uh, Quacker, do you have any uh, any moments as well? Uh, yes, Not well, I'm going to name two because they're really, really quite correct. Everyone knows I like a bizarre weird form of this. I love comedy. I want to be laughing at wrestling. So they're 
took what was the first quick one, right? And you're gonna be like, what the hell? So it was in a match with uh, MVP and Mr. Kennedy versus the Brothers of Destruction. <laughs> And they had a funeral hearse out on the ramp, and uh, Mr. Kennedy jumps into the car and is gonna attempt to run over Kane. And all of a sudden, like uh, MVP's dealing with the Undertaker off stage, right? And like Undertaker's away, and all of a sudden the gong goes off, the lights go off, and then the lights come back on, and Undertaker's in the car with Mr. Kennedy. Mr. <laughs> 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 Kennedy, he's like looking forward, and then he turns to the side and he kind of jumps. Like, the Undertaker's in the car and they both wake each other. And it's just, it's just so weird and it's just so funny. And then the gong goes up and then Kane does the whole setup thing and he's back, he's held in his head because he got back in the head. This is so silly, but anytime I see it, <laughs> Oh, quite good. I'll have both lost it now. Oh, that's brilliant. Wow. <laughs> Do the clear. It's so strange. Quacker's actually crying a lot. Here in his eyes. Oh, oh my gosh. He's actually broken now. Not since David David Hockney <laughs> corrected David Campbell on the 2006 Oh, God. It's Oh. Just the idea of under your funeral car just made me when he adopted Stephanie McMahon, then where to, Stephanie? Where to, Kenny? What about uh, when he kidnapped Teddy Loggies? Well, he said, buckle up, Teddy. Buckle up, Teddy. But my second one, other one was, uh, oh, my God. and it involves the rock, so Ross will like it, and it was the end of Vince McMahon's Kiss My Ass Club. I just oh, loved yeah. the whole mm. thing of bringing out uh, JR, then bringing out J- uh, Trish, and then it's like, whoa, 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 you sick freak, I love that. Yeah. And then it was oh, especially for you, and it was I did it for you, Rock. <laughs> That's another one, but oh god, no, sorry, nothing can top that funeral hairs fight. I know it sounds good, but it was just so funny. Did they not uh, Undertaker and Kennedy? They don't end up having a last right match that year. I couldn't care less because I was still crying for that MD, whole year when I saw cause that. Because MVP was feeding with Kane and. Uh, so he's on fire now. Yeah, they, they, they did an Inferno match, which is sadly no longer a thing. Yeah. MVP's tunnel, that was a good moment in SmackDown. Yeah. I loved his entrances. Yeah. Uh, just uh, one other moment. Uh, I had, you know, we had uh, other moments I haven't mentioned. We had uh, TLC3, Jericho mm-hmm. and Benoit versus the original tag team TLC competitors, ENC, Dudleys, and the Hardys. Uh, we've also got in July 2002, Rey Mysterio's debut mm-hmm. on SmackDown. He was quite a, a focal point or a focal character for Smackdown back then. You look at the sort of the main event of that show where it's uh, Edge and Jericho in a cage match. Yeah. And the people that come to Edge's aid are John Cena, who just debuted and went on to be one of his biggest rivals, and Rey Mysterio, who went on to be a big rival with Edge as well. Yeah. It's just weird to think that that was like their sort of not really John Cena's debut, but it was one of his first prominent roles. Mm-hmm. And on the night, Edge, uh, Rey Mysterio debuts, and they're in there with Edge and Jericho in the mm-hmm. cage match. Just shows how big the show was. It? Yeah. Uh, well, um, we'll <coughs> pick up uh, pick up on that a bit later on when we discuss uh, superstars that define the brand, uh, because I think there's definitely a few we can mention there. But um, just going into the sort of uh, 2010s era of SmackDown. Uh, because in 2011, when Triple H had just started out as COO, he actually 
made an announcement that would end up dissolving the brand extension when he announced Raw Super Show, where basically it would enable both Raw and SmackDown superstars to compete on, on either brand. And I think this effectively really sort of killed the whole brand warfare vibe. So what I want to get from you guys is, do you think this Raw Super Show concept, do you think having all the superstars on both shows, do you think that lack of separation really affected the company as a whole? Uh, Ross? Yeah, this was... Uh round about August where their ratings start to pick back up again after the post-mania slump and I think they wanted something to hook the viewers into you know through the ba- <coughs> through basketball season and through leading into the football season as well but it, it died in its arse mm. it really like you think uh, I think the two of the best wrestlers in WWE history Rey Mysterio Daniel Bryan and with no brand split being there they had a match on an episode of Raw and it was announced literally in an interview segment where Kane and Daniel Bryan are doing a squabbling thing and he goes, oh by the way, Daniel, you have a match next, who am I facing? Rey Mysterio and he's already in the ring. So Rey didn't get an entrance, we came back, Bryan didn't have an entrance and this was like, uh, we talked about before how like Triple H was separate for The Undertaker for many years and that's what made the WrestleMania matches feel special. This was a throwaway thing, and no brand extension meant at the start of Raw's three, uh, when Raw went three hours, you'd five hours of TV to fill a week, and you didn't have that big a roster at the time. Yeah, it's, it hindered the pro- it definitely hindered the development of the product. Less slots meant less spotlight. No, sorry, um, less spotlight for some of the talents, less opportunity, and the existing stars overexposure, big style, five yeah. hours a week. There's a, a lot of TV to film. Mm-hmm. Especially when you talk about John Cena. John Cena didn't go on SmackDown for how many years was it? Four or five years? Something no, like more than that. that. I think it's a long, long time. They made a big deal when he did turn up, and mm-hmm. during this time, SmackDown was the B show. There was because all a lot of the big stars weren't going, and they were kind of using Edge right before they retired and Del Rio as the big guys for the show, and it just didn't Do work. They didn't have the star power. Do you know? I I love the shows now. I think they're brilliant, but I think. See around about this time because right before this, leading into WrestleMania 28, I was advocating for like the only proper tag team, they should be tag team champions. And they, along with R Truth, and I believe it was The Shield and the Wyatts, and I started to get sick of them as well, they were the, the Monday, Tuesday crew. They would do Raw and then they would do SmackDown. And it was just like, gonna give us a buy. It'd be like one week, or oh, the Wyatts are fighting the Usos next week, or oh, the Shield are fighting the Usos. Like, yeah. And the Shield are fighting the Wyatt, you're like, I mean, I still you. I was wanted to be the final be champions, but by the time twenty fourteen rolled in, they finally won the titles. I did not care, and like I know, like that we had a bit of a slump in like the late two thousand because I think interest in wrestling was down. But at least both shows had. I feel like you can only tune into Tuesday or sorry Thursday if you want to see the Undertaker. You can only tune in Monday if you want to see this guy. But with everybody being on all shows on every show, really, what is there any point in tuning? Imagine you could miss SmackDown more often than not. And like still tuning into Raw and still see the same people. And for a while they went through a stage of having like maybe a tag match or a six man and a, like a mid card feud. And then they would tend to have that match so they could then have it again on Raw. So like you miss SmackDown when you're missing it, other than a bunch of like Raw recaps of what happened on Raw. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was poor. Mm-hmm. It really, really was. Mm-hmm. I mean, SmackDown was just a fast forward job. You yeah, yeah, definitely. And, but uh, 10 minutes through Sky Plus, 10 minutes you fast forward, but you've yeah. missed nothing. No, no, no. You, like, Back in the day, obviously, we talked about we used to watch wrestling on Sky One and Saturday. Ah. So you'd have the two hour SmackDown and then you'd have LimeWire or Metal or Heat or Jacked. 
and that would be your one hour of raw, and it cut out like the entrance music, so you always felt when you're growing up, you, oh, you missed something, because something always happened in the entrance. See here, the, this was the equivalent of the YouTube clips yeah. you get on WWE.com yeah. now, and that's really all they were. It was like, oh, look at that. Seth Rollins faced Jey Uso. Well, look, next week, Jimmy Uso's facing Seth Rollins. Oh, look, Jimmy Uso's facing Dean Ambrose. Who cares? I'm actually surprised Will Jimmy Uso's facing Jey Uso. <laughs> was, it was poor matches, poor bookings, but yet SmackDown always seemed to sell out. Yeah. And now, where it's getting proper bookings, mm-hmm. there's some decent feuds, really good talent, they can't sell out in the arena. Yeah. That's kind of weird. I think, do you know, it, I think what that might have to do with obviously the explosion of New Japan Ring of Honor, yeah. independent wrestling, but it's also the fact that 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 didn't happen overnight, that happened during this time, that happened when WWE viewers didn't have to watch five hours of WWE, they only had to watch three. Mm-hmm. So during the spare two hours, they were going elsewhere, they were looking at Impact and Ring of Honor and New Japan, looking at on the indie scene, and now they'd much rather go to like an indie show where they can get different matches whereas to Smackdown they feel maybe that the trust isn't there like you know you, you buy Smackdown tickets two or three months in advance what if you had a brand split you know ticket bought and then all of a sudden oh by the way the brand split's over and uh, these guys will not be appearing you know you feel bummed mm-hmm. the yeah. trust isn't there yeah there's um, I think ha- if that went on for about five years or so and it did get to a stage where booking was getting repetitive and you would mm-hmm. be seeing the same matches and Smackdown was essentially treated just like as a, as a clip show or a recap show well I think the, the best example of that was when they got The Rock to return in a more full time role in 2013 mm-hmm. they started having an appear on Smackdown they started having uh, Brock Lesnar uh, around about the time of 2015-16 was appearing on Smackdown as well to try it and it was like like Alan says, like they made a big deal with John Cena. It wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, oh, John Cena will be in action. It's just John Cena is here. That's how little we care about the show. He's not here every week. Yeah, he's not going to say like John Cena's having a match against yeah. this big name. You know, he's just saying he's going to be there. Yeah, and even still, like people love the Rock. People the Rock spiked ratings yeah. when he came back in 2013 he couldn't do it for Smackdown I think it's just lack of competition you know amongst other promotions I think that's what enabled WWE to get away with this sort of lazy booking mm. a bit yeah. but all, all they had to do was just announce a big name and hope that it would sell tickets and I think that's the the image they gave themselves but um, but yeah the brand dissolving lasted until about 2016 where they Stephanie and Shane McMahon introduced the, the new era as it were with the 2016 draft where Raw and Smackdown became brand exclusive shows again each had their own unique roster they had their own exclusive pay-per-views um alan i'll start with you on this one do you think this was a much needed revitalization for wwe absolutely absolutely smackdown is too big a show now and even back then to not have a full-time roster full-time gm uh, full-time commissioner to run and you can see now it's paying dividends um i'd pretty much say smackdown's been the best show mm. pretty much since they did it yeah, I, I agree, Alan. I think it was a breath of fresh air. I really like the it's the brand exclusive pay per views. I don't like. I think I made my views in backlash. The abomination at the backlash, no. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you want this year yet? Yeah, this one's just gone. 
So I think I you got the best of both worlds, haven't you, Gary? I don't think I did. Gary, somebody make money back. So I thought it was a breath of fresh air. Um, really enjoyed the split they had and the interest that came. Then the superstar shake-up, I think, ruined it all. Disagree a wee bit when we said it's the better show. I think there was a period where it dipped and it's now got better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. Don't even get me started on gender Bahal. We'll be here all no. night. I thought the first agenda thing was all right, but they gave him the title too long. I think. Do, do you know what the thing was as well? They had him beat Randy Orton, and then they should have had. Randy Orton's a top star, when you turn them heel, as we've seen now, you can be sadistic. You know, the Hell in a Cell match was great, the feud with Jeff Hardy's been a bit hit and miss, but the matches have been great. Did um, you see what he did to Jeff Hardy? He <laughs> fingered his ear hole. What, did he phrase that there? <laughs> 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 he fisted uh, his ear hole. Uh, he fisted it, there you go, smack down thing. Finger up that's getting worse. No, he, just, he just pushed Jeff onto the fist. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god. Moving, getting this train right back on track. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when there's no women. It's just all guys, it just uh, goes downhill. I know, but it's generally the liquor mothers, the native directors, <laughs> probably. Too, too many McClough's, I think, is the problem. Yeah, Ross, fuck off, it's telling you right now. But, uh, I fucking forgot my original point. Aye. Uh, the draft originally was only due to the fact, I don't know if you remember, when Mauro Ronaldo first came in. He came in on the January, February, around about mm-hmm. two, uh, that 2016. Yeah. And uh, Smackdown was moving to Thursday nights again on the USA Network, and it was the USA Network that basically said to them, we are not getting valued for money. We want something to draw people in, and that's why they eventually they announced in the May, right, we're going superstar shake-up, and we were talking about how stale it was. If the network's turning around and going, listen, something needs to change, you know, that's, I think that's why SmackDown was so good at the start. Why you had the WWE title, why you had Dean Ambrose who was champion, you had AJ Styles, not an up-and-comer because you know, he's been gone about for years, but in the eyes of WWE, he was an up-and-comer because it was his first year in the company. You got Big Match John on the show, you got the Wyatt, you had established stars like Kane and Randy Orton, and I think that made things so much better, but we're talking about how it took a dip. Jinder Mahal got the got the title. They should have moved Randy Orton as a heel and a feud with somebody else. And then AJ Styles feuding with someone else. And then you could have had different people up and comers while Jinder's an up and comer have another up and comer challenge him. And then you build two stars at the same time. But at this point, Jinder Mahal's title reign really felt like Smackdown fast forward again. We did have that with Shinsuke Nakamura though. I mean, he was still a bit of an up and cover on Smackdown. Just went there, had the balloon there, didn't it? It just destroyed Shinsuke's run. But yeah. I really think, I remember when I heard this, my instant thought was, oh good, Smackdown will be watchable again. Because when you look at 2016, we think about as much as it was a shit year of like people dying all the time, like all these celebrities. (laughs) Wrestling wise in WWE, the quality I think was actually really good. It was one of the better years, especially the latter half, and it really picked up when SmackDown started to take off on its own. And like they had Survivor Series, they started the brand more of it. I think Survivor Series 2016 is possibly one of the best Survivor Series they've ever done because, like, we like they paid attention to all the, the other three big fours, but in the last latter few years, Survivor Series really took a hit and no one cared. Yeah. No, you make a good point how they had the brand warfare Survivor Series. I think the last few have been fantastic, but yeah. yeah. Um, just with uh, moving on to the next, or sort of the final sort of section before we rerun things up, um, we obviously had a roundtable discussion about what some of our favourite moments were. But I think SmackDown was truly defined by the stars that were on on it. Like sometimes you know you get to say the show makes the superstar, but I think in this case there are some superstars that make the show. So I'm just going to go around each of you, and I'd like you to pick uh, either one or even just a, a couple of people who you think for you guys made SmackDown the must show up show to watch so uh, Alan I'll start with you on this one who do you think 
define SmackDown as the top show? You talking about actively just now or just in general? Anybody, like even Inception. <laughs> uh, I've got a few. Uh, Rock, Edge, AJ, Nakamura. Just going to name it. Yeah, yeah, you're going to name all of them now. <laughs> Obviously, the last one, Taker. You think Taker? Yeah, because as he said, you know, when the Brie brought up the brand split back in and they were off you need each other, he came back and he's like, this is my show, it's my yard. Don't come back if you don't get the job done, sort of mm-hmm. thing. So, I'm good over it, Ross. Tasteless, but yeah, you know, that's. Missed few years, he's sort of more of a free agent now, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the dope John Cena rule. Yeah, Whatever you want, mate, it's fine. Aye. Yeah. Gary. Edge. I thought Edge was brilliant, mm. and the spotlight that this gave him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Edge is, Edge is the man. Ross? Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio, when he went to Raw, he went to Raw twice. Yep. And each time it was just so bad uh-huh. like the 2000 like we all cl- we all wanted mass came back and then we got it teasing a feud with Rey Mysterio that, that is one thing as well Rey Mysterio came it's never been a great feud two great wrestlers together never been good. but um, Rey Mysterio was always a a focal point of it and as much as Alan hates him now at the time he was great 2002 2004 Brock Lesnar no, right. no, no. Honestly, that, that, that was Rey Mysterio I thought you were meaning Ray as well. Yeah, 2002-2004, Brock Lesnar was amazing. His feuds with Big Show, his feuds with Rey Mysterio as well. He had good feuds with him as well. Mm. He had great feuds with Eddie Guerrero. That's another one we could put. And Ray Eddie was probably one of my favourites. Yeah. So I think, and the last man seen as Alan mentioned, everybody else, Batista. Aye, yeah, a lot of good names floating already. Scott, who is... who was your favourite? Yeah, can I think of an honourable mention to the Undertaker because it's weird. The initial draft in 02, he was drafted later on by the end of the year, he's already on SmackDown and he would stay there for until 2017 where he buggered over where he was, I said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think a couple of a couple, one being Kurt Angle, because like we're both mentioning Lesnar, the Angle Lesnar feud for like 03, that carried SmackDown, they carried that on that feud. And uh, weirdly, because um, I think when I think of the early SmackDown when I started watching it, I think of him, uh, John Cena. He was the up and comer, and the, he was the US champion. He was the Doctor of Thuggernauts. And once he got the bell, he was he and he got moved over to Raw, and Batista got moved over to Smith, as I said, that's when it started to feel like the B show. And to, like today, like you can see, like just about anybody on SmackDown now, Miz, Joe, these are guys that can carry that show, and they're what making it good right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Ross. Yeah. So before we go to Quacko's pick, so can I just point something quickly out? Yeah. Do you know when you realise SmackDown was the B show? It would always be when there was a battle royal. Oh yeah. Because like Raw would have like a stacked battle royal, you're like, oh my god, Kane, Randy Orton, Ric Flair, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Benjamin could win this. And then you go to it and it was just like uh, Batista, Kane and Great Kelly are gonna be the final three. Oh look the final three is Batista, Kane and Great Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the rest were just sort of like mid and lower cards, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. But it was just to fill gaps. Uh Quacker, who do you think would um, define the brand? On paper, right? I would see yeah, I'm gonna say someone that you all haven't mentioned and it's JBL. Yeah. <laughs> Wrestling God Michael. Michael Michael Michael. Think about he was the longest reigning WWE champion in SmackDown at that time. Overtaken by AJ Styles. Thank you, David. At that time. And then he eventually became commentator and one of the lead commentators in SmackDown. So he's kind of been always on the like the vocal point of um, um, SmackDown. But if 
you, you, the other one I'm gonna say is quite weird, and I'm gonna say it as Randy Orton, mm-hmm. and it's because yeah, he made his name on Raw when he was on Evolution, but as soon as he broke away, then he came on to SmackDown, and then the whole thing of like the Undertaker streak and everything came back yeah. apparent when it was his rivalry and stuff like that. So, oh, Ross, are you gonna rebuttal me? No, 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 no. I'm actually gonna mention someone I'm surprised we didn't mention, and he always got his big chance on SmackDown, Mark Henry. Mark Henry, yeah, yeah. Hall of Pain. Hall, actually, yeah. Not even, not even Hall of Pain. The one, the, the one, the one before that, uh, where he was feuding with Undertaker at WrestleMania when he took out Batista and all that. He's feuding with Kurt Angle as well. Feuding with Kurt Angle as well for the world title. That, that Mark Henry as well. He was brilliant. That was always when Mark Henry gets shot. Right, like uh, following with, I guess they like Orton's feud with Christian Topic feuds that carry a brand like. In 2011, SmackDown was really firmly a missable show, but they two over the world title made that belt feel important, mm-hmm. and it made the thing watchable for a while. Uh, Alan, you got any any more? We think we've got time for maybe a couple more from each year. So many to mention. I mean, you've kind of mentioned a lot of them already. Um, did you mention Kane? Yeah, I think you said Kane before, yeah. Maybe. I think probably worth giving AJ Styles a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. And then I mean, the head of yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a gaff that AJ Styles built. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying something that rhymes with gaff. Gaff. You can always. This is a gaff that is not gaff. You can swing it round. Maybe the worst person on SmackDown. Okay, let's do that then. Who do you think is the worst person on SmackDown? Jack Swagger. Jack. Yeah. Awful. Awful. I'll take your Jack Swagger. I'll raise your agenda, man. All these Jack Swagger. Thank you, Ross. Yes. Natalia. Out. Gary. Anybody you. Oh god, I'm saying. Did like on SmackDown? Mojo! Yeah, Mojo. Mojo Rollins. He's the luck jobby jobber. Oh yeah, There's a few things in SmackDown that are talents that got wasted in SmackDown. I remember the Ultimo Dragon coming into SmackDown. The much fanfare, and then three weeks later he was losing in the US title tournament in the first round. Do you know who, the new era, has been the most wasted talent on SmackDown? American Alpha. Because they, their original plan was to hold off on them and have them win the titles at WrestleMania. And you see that that year's WrestleMania, it was two weeks before. Usos beat them in SmackDown and then all four of them in the Battle Royal. And then they have the rematch two weeks later. Well, wait. I've been disappointed with Sanity's run in SmackDown so mm. far as well. That's I think that's sort of the. Like. You've seen how good the Riot Squad are now on Raw, but when. They first came in, it was Absolution. Absolution, we're getting the push on Raw. It's, it's sort of the SmackDown thing. Like, if Vince isn't all in on you, you're on SmackDown. Well, yeah. if it's the same, because Absolution lost their push when they didn't know what to do with them because Paige couldn't wrestle. So, like, we don't know what to do with just two of you. We kind of had invested on all three of you. <laughs> yeah, they don't fall from Grace, look at the bar. Oh, God. Oh, fall from Grace. That, do you know what the problem with this is, though, as well? It's because Raw is three hours and SmackDown is two, and it's not even the fact that. And in fact, technically Raw is five hours, because Raw gets main event, so if you're not featured on Raw, you're still on TV, and the Cruiserweights are technically the Raw panel. Mm-hmm. So yeah. They, yeah. those guys get 205 Live as well, and Smackdown literally is only, it's, it's the two hours on TV, and that's it. A big part of the botch is the superstar shake-up that they had. The mm-hmm. People move shows, like the, the bar, there was no plans put in place, and mm-hmm. people were called up from it. NXT and then nothing happened with them. Mm-hmm. Offers of pain on the raw. 
for example, as well as insanity. Insanity doesn't make any sense that you've got this group that are going to cause chaos and carnage and they're going to appear a week on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> I know, surely... You know, that that's the exact opposite of chaos, that's order. Uh, we'll control the fun. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, this is the chaos. Uh, could I book uh, <laughs> maybe segment three no, on Tuesday? Really got, in when the madam was almost unwatchable again because of Tinder. You who really got their shot and made it watchable? Fashion police. Because yes. yes. they, no, they didn't have to need a place all their tag feed. Let's give them a thing, and then that's how the fashion files started, and they kept it going. I'm off the ascension in that. Yeah, about brilliant. Someone yeah. as well who took advantage of brand splitters this, this time round. He was little. Yeah, oh, he, he, he really yeah. got a good feel-good story oh, out of it, didn't he? I think they they jumped the gun too soon. I think they should have had maybe the Usos beat them where Heath Slater's feet was on the ropes, and then have Daniel and Shane go right. You get one last chance, maybe like have him help Team Smackdown win, but like in a fluke way, like he gets knocked out. He had he's, the, he's, he's one of the two guys remaining. Yeah, Heath Slater and Rhino. Mm-hmm. Where, where I love them as a team. The, I remember Lucy killing herself laughing, hearing about mm-hmm. uh, Maro refer to Beauty and the Man Beast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, well. Something that was made happen with Heath, like the, the SummerSlam girl was starting to chant We Want Slater because he was so over because of that story. Apparently, when you're saying James Ellsworth, there was going to be a thing where he would Heath would show up at SummerSlam begging for another opportunity, and Daniel went, All right, I'll find you an opponent. And if you beat him, you get a contract. And it was going to be James Ellsworth. Yeah. But James Ellsworth would turn around and get a surprise role, and Ellsworth would get the contract, and also go into his feud with AJ. Sorry, something I just realised there, I had to Google it to double check that it was on SmackDown. It's an iconic SmackDown moment, and it's possibly one of the funniest. It's William Regal fighting the Big Show, oh, and yeah. he gets the brass knucks out and punches Big Show in the face, and Big Show, <laughs> Regal's kind of on the deck, half and half. Big Show hits the ropes and falls on his yes. like an oak tree and as the pin's going on, Regal's flailing his leg like Ah! Oh, 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 get off me! I get off! Yeah. No, I remember that. That was funny, That's yeah. Like, imagine being in his position seeing the Big Show come. Must be like the boulder from Indiana Jones coming down on you. Aye. Like, well, at least I got my fears in order. There's a game of that rocking around just now, which is hilarious. Oh, that's how I remember that. I actually had to Google it just now. See, I don't know if this was actually exclusively SmackDown, but I think one guy that really helped SmackDown out, because he was kind of drafted over to it in 2010, I think it was, Cody Rhodes. Yes. Oh. Yes. I think he was a big dashing Cody. Dashing Cody. Disfigured Cody. Uh, oh, that's the Cody. I think he, when Maro he, came on. Sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but Maro as well um, mm. when he became the commentator. Yeah. But he was. You know, he kind of became the unofficial voice of WWE. Yeah. yeah. He replaced yeah. Michael Cole. My opinion. See, you can't, he, sorry. You can't wa- not watch a match with him commentating. He's just he's having a great time. Yeah. yeah. So, something as well. I will note about around about 2010, 2011, and. 2016 before the original brand split when gender came over. Um, Smackdown seemed to be a place where young up and comers would get the chance, but also, like we mentioned Mark Henry earlier, we mentioned Christian, older guys would eventually get that big rub. Booker T, mm-hmm. King Booker yeah. was a stable. Oh, King. King Booker, yeah. And Matt Hardy as well, I think. Matt Hardy's always been great on Smackdown. Well, you can attribute that to, like I said, Paul Heyman, because that's what he wanted to do and push the guys that wouldn't always get pushed. I think that's why it was always good when Brian got brought on as GM, because Essentially, he was that mindset of GM. He wanted the guys who wouldn't always get pushed to get their shot because he liked them. He was like that guy who all people would think of 
as the main eventer and he got an opportunity he wanted to give other people an opportunity that he couldn't get anymore because he was retired for them. Yeah. So uh, going, uh, looking ahead now uh, towards SmackDown 1000, which is taking place in a couple of weeks. Uh, but as we've seen in the past with all these sort of big milestone shows like Raw 25, Raw 1000, uh, like 15th anniversary shows, that kind of thing. Uh, for SmackDown 1000, looking ahead, do you think this is the possibility for them to pull off something big, or do you think it's just going to be another nostalgia trip? Uh, Ross, we'll start with you. Well, something that's been going around at the minute, and it does make sense when you look at the card for Super Showdown, which we will be live tweeting on at Suplex Retweet this mm. Saturday from 7 o'clock onwards. Um, at Suplex Retweet. At Suplex Retweet. Uh, Raw 1000, Miz wins a title. Raw 25, Miz wins a title. This Saturday, Miz is in a number one contenders match. And SmackDown 1000 might need a world title match. Mm. So could there... Could this I have, would love to see that. That would be amazing. I think that, uh, this is when he should be champion. 27 was far too early and I think as much as I love The Rock it was sort of let's find someone to fight John Cena that will not take the shine off The Rock someone the fans do not care about yeah. right now The Miz comes out gets cheered and instantly he is almost like The Rock but he can control the crowd in the palm of his hands and then instantly you hate him yeah. I would like to think that something exciting will happen at it but I fear it will be another nostalgia show and, I, I and, a, continuation, and, a, and a continuation of stories the nostalgia's not a bad thing, is it? it you know, but you you do like something that will give us the next chapter. I think it will be a bit of um, continuation of existing storylines plus some of the nostalgia stuff. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I kind of hope they learn from Raw 1000 because it didn't deliver. You got the nostalgia start with DX and then it just fell and never came back. Learn from the lesson, build on it, and I think it could be a brilliant show. You get a bit of nostalgia and still have an incredible show. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the SmackDown that that's happening on is to go home SmackDown for Evolution, is it not? I believe so, yeah. I think it's going to be like when Raw 25 was to go home Raw for Durham. I think by the time that comes around, the main storylines are going to have... Oh wait, no, no, it's the week before is it not Evolution, yeah. Like I say, like, the main storylines are going to be pretty much already set up, and also now you've got a week after that, so... As long as the main storyline, main like women's storylines are going to be featured on Evolution, get a mention, get their time, then you can have the nostalgia. And like nostalgia is really not going to hurt anybody. Like people are going to tune in. There are going to be people who don't usually watch. They're going to say, "Well, did you just come in back for the show?" Because Evolution's making an appearance. Yeah. Do you know something that could work as well? Actually, considering our character with Chip Marshall at the minute, the current SmackDown Women's Champion Becky Lynch. Stephen will be worshipping her while he's on holiday still. <laughs> it doesn't. Stephen's hiding from the sun right now, Christ. Yeah. In fact, you're just hiding, hiding, yeah. hiding in the worship room. He can't just smell room. his pictures either. He'll have his shrine set up in the shade and he'll just be, be like, Queen Becky, Queen Becky. <laughs> but um, what I think would be good, if maybe an older female wrestler that can't go in the ring anymore, or maybe someone who won't be on the show, maybe get taken out by Becky and Becky saying, you know, the nostalgia, you know, isn't good for us, blah blah blah, you know, she'll word it a lot better than I can. <laughs> but, you know, she'll take out someone. The nostalgia yeah. is disgusting. <laughs> is she what was that? Oh, that's horrible. That sounded like a job day that lived in London for a year. <laughs> but um <Give> a stroke. <laughs> yeah, Becky taking someone out I think could be good as well because Scott says we are in the lead up to evolution. Evolution has been built a lot on nostalgia at the minute. I think nostalgia is good when you can build the current crop on it. Oh, have Evolution backstage and the big brother's team, and then you have Ric Flair turn around and Becky's there, 
and says like, just like confronts him and have Charlotte like slaps him and give this to Charlotte for me and like slaps him in the face. Yes. <laughs> that's I mean, a good gentleman. Like that's for that kiss at Royal Rumble 2016, you dirty old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was horrifying that. It was, how'd you think it? I know. Uh, bearing down on him. <laughs> uh, anyway, but, um, but that's, uh, that's our thoughts going into Smackdown 1000. <laughs> uh, Smackdown is set uh, to debut on the Fox Network as well as part of a new deal in October 2019. Hopefully things will start to change around because there has been rumours floating around that it's going to be considered more as the A show now ahead of Raw. Do you think, just very quickly guys, do you think that's going to be the case, yes or no? I hope so because it's supposed to be only three hours. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to be a talent on it as well, so I hope so. Gary? No, I don't think so because Raw is still the most lucrative contract WWE has. For, uh, it's the Fox contract isn't far off it but the USA Network would be quite right to be saying to WWE we're paying you more money we expect mm-hmm. you to deliver on it I agree with Gary 100% I think it won't become the issue I think they will I think the reason they got the big stars at the minute Smackdown was to sell the Fox deal like look who we've got on the show I think you'll see in the new year a lot of people big stars who we were talking in the bar and sanity are wasted in Smackdown because there's nothing to do I think you'll see them slowly creep back, maybe not even on the superstar shakeup, just unannounced, like maybe some tag tournaments or something like that. Maybe. I, I hope that Alan, that rumour you heard about the three hours thing is wrong because I can't, can't take six well, hours of WWE. I think something, <laughs> something that will make it a lot better though for a lot of fans <laughs> is that it's not going to be a Monday, Tuesday anymore. Because it's like if I miss Raw on a Monday and if, if I'm doing the show on the Tuesday, I will miss SmackDown. It's five hours of wrestling I need to catch up on, and mm. after. You know, as much as we enjoy talking wrestling after tournament for a you might go home and do something else. Yeah. Uh, so they're moving it to Fridays. So it'll be a case of regular Raw on the Monday, you've got Friday till Friday to watch it, and then a lot of people are off the weekends or at least get one weekend day off. By the way, three or SmackDown, it's on a Friday night, you can catch as much as you like. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully that's a lot easier than the wrestling fans. Uh, sadly, I don't think it will be, but I think they'll have a lot more money because this deal and be able to put a lot more behind it, a lot more effort. And back- it might be in the fans I see as the number one show, but in the eyes of Vince and a lot of people higher up in WWE, Raw will always be the number one show. I've just got one last thing to mention. So Disney's in the protest of buying Fox. So with Disney technically controlling SmackDown, mm. I hope it doesn't go too family friendly. Uh, yeah. That's a worry I've got. Oh. If, if Fox would stay around the same transfer goes through, no, keep it as it is, then I think potentially, I hope it will go on to be the show. I don't think it right. will be, but... I hope they keep it. I hope it doesn't go too family friendly with Disney. I'll, I'll just say a quick 30-second thing. One of the things they are talking about on Fox is the rumour is they want to sign Kenny Omega the Bucks and Cody Rhodes. And if that happens, we'll talk about it at the time, but that is why they're accepting the big deal and Fox are keen on funding the move for the four big stars in New Japan and basically taking out the competition yeah well again all interesting thoughts about where Smackdown could go following Smackdown 1000 but yeah uh, I think this 1000 episode it'll be a de- definitely be a celebratory milestone to look forward to and you know a lot of great ideas floating around I think uh, we'll just have to tune in and see what happens but uh, uh, that's going to do it for this week's show uh, thanks to my panel for chipping in on their favourite moments on Smackdown thank you for your fan input as well uh, be sure to Follow us uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Suplex We Tweet, and be sure you're subscribed to all good podcasting sites, including iTunes, Spotify, and any good Android podcasting sites. Anchor. 
anchor as well yeah thank you uh, next week uh, be sure to tune in where Sarah's back in the hosting chair and we're doing wrestling commentators oh god Michael my oh, god man, man. <laughs> it's my gonna, that man's got a family it's that gonna, man's got a sink <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the words of good old JR it's going to be a slobber knocker mm-hmm. and but also in two weeks time it's a, a celebratory milestone for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet as it's our first anniversary show yeah so it's, so make sure you're tuned in for that as well. So, so keep the sham marriage going. It's <laughs> like any other anniversary show. The women will forget and make an effort, and the men will make a rush something together at the last minute. Yes. In honour of honour, we bet on twisted. So make sure you're tuned in for that. I've been your host, David Hockney. Thank you to our panel, Alan. Cheers, mate. Gary. Thanks, David. Ross. Cheers, Scott. Ta-ta. And the MBEB Quacko. Thank you. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the f- you think you're doing, whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of dick tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now.